welcome to episode 18 of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we are going to be talking about it. Today, we are recording on February 5th, 2017. My name is Corey Motley. I am a staff writer at GameCritics.com, and I am 50% of this podcast. With me, as always, is Brad Galloway, editor of Game Critics. How are you doing, Brad? Doing okay, man. Doing okay. Glad to be back recording with you on a Sunday, as always. Although I will say that this weekend kind of got away from me. I don't know how it was for you, but started off the weekend really looking forward to getting a couple days, and now that it's basically Sunday night, I'm like, man, where did that weekend go? You know, kind of cliche, but also kind of true. Did you have a lot of shit to do? You know, I did, but I didn't do all of it. Like, I got to the end of the day today, and I'm like, oh, fuck. I did not do, like, three of the five things I was supposed to do this weekend. <laughs> and it's, like, 5.45 p.m. Ugh, so I, I'm i probably going to have a late night tonight, but that's okay. It kind of par for the course for me. So how was how was your weekend, sir? Um, it was uh, it was actually pretty good. Um, I uh, went and saw... The Matrix, the first Matrix last night at the Alamo Draft House. There's an Alamo Draft House movie theater opened here about a year ago. Um, and sometimes they play old movies, and I saw The Matrix, which was awesome. I've seen it, you know, dozens of times, but I've never seen it in a theater. So getting to see it on screen, like in front of me in big screen for the first time was just amazing. Um, so Refresh I my uh, memory. What, so I've heard of the Alamo Draft House, but I'm a little bit hazy. Is this the one where. You, you, like, have recliners, and they serve you, like, steak and beer and stuff? Or what, what is the Alamo Draft House? It is, um, it's just about that. It is a movie theater chain in the United States, and I don't think there are that many of them. There's maybe, like, 20 or 30. Um, I might be wrong on that. But uh, I think that the one that opened in Omaha is actually the newest one that they have, if I'm not mistaken. But it is a really cool... Um, theater where they show they show new movies but they also show uh, they have like themed movie nights and they show old movies um sometimes they have like little movie festivals like they showed the matrix last night and it was a one-time showing um they're showing the ghost in the shell anime on wednesday which i'm going to see which is a one-time showing and they're doing an asian action movie festival next at the end of next week um and i think i'm going to go see the raid too because i love that movie and it is a dinner a dinner theater so you can order food you can order appetizers they have beer they have cocktails they have um i mean they have it's pretty much like a you know kind of a full service dinner theater which i'm not really into because i don't really like eating when i like i'm okay with like drinking a beer when i watch a movie but i don't really like eating a meal when i watch a movie a movie in a theater because i like to pay attention to the movie especially if i've never seen it before but it is a really cool theater and um it's easy to buy tickets online they have a i think there's like a no children policy like children six and under are not allowed or something like that so there's never going to be the chance that you'll have like a crying baby in the movie theater and it's just pretty rad and they show like indie movies and stuff too so it's like an all-encompassing theater of like classic movies new movies indie movies um and just stuff like that so uh it's it's really cool if there's one if you're listening to the show and there's one in your area i highly recommend them they're really cool 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 i've never heard of it although we do have similar theaters here that they're just starting to crop up i don't think they really were a thing before a couple years ago but now it seems like we're getting more and more so clearly that's a uh a niche to be served. Um, I would be interested in going to something like that if it was maybe a movie that I had seen before. Because like you, when I am going to see a movie I've never seen before, 
and I'm interested in it because why else would I be going to it? Uh, I definitely want to pay like full attention and I don't want to be worrying about like, you know, am I dropping food all over myself or what's going <laughs> on with my tray? So interesting. Also, side note, um, kind of on the kids thing, you know, as, as someone who has kids myself, I've noticed that in my area, we used to live in a really family friendly place and it's becoming less and less family friendly because we're getting more and more young up and coming tech douchebags who have really fancy cars and like way too much money to spend and so like you know before whereas we would go into places with kids and it would be like everybody like no big deal now it's like we get the stink eye when we show up to certain places which i really don't appreciate i mean i get that some places like a bar or some other you know more adult oriented hangout spot you don't want to have squalling babies and i totally get that but excuse me and but like you know i hate when people get like attitude about it like you know everybody was a kid once i don't care who you are if you are alive if you are a person, you had parents and you were a kid and your, your parents had to take you places. And if you don't have even like an ounce of sympathy for people who have a kid, like, I, like fuck you. Like, you know, you don't just <laughs> appear as a fully formed human being, right? You had to go through that kid phase. And it takes people teaching their kids how to behave in public in order for kids to eventually be able to behave in public. So, like, fuck off if you throw people attitude. That said, I definitely agree that there are certain places where kids are not appropriate. And a movie theater is certainly one of them. Like, whenever I go to a movie theater, if I see somebody who's got, like, an infant and it's, like, an action movie or a horror movie where there's, like, lots of screaming or, like, the jump scares or something, I'm like, the fuck are you doing in here? Like, seriously? (laughs) Like, that is super not appropriate. So I'm with you on the movie theater thing. I think that I I just roll my eyes so hard. Like, why would you you bring a kid to a movie theater? They're going to cry. They're going to disturb people. If they don't have to make you leave, you might have to change a diaper in the middle of it makes no fucking sense but anyway i am like 99.9 percent pro kid anyway just had to go off my rant sorry go ahead continue <laughs> um uh, speaking of that that whenever i went and saw jackie i know we talked about this a few uh, like a month ago or so um i went and saw jackie at this really small indie theater in omaha that pretty much only plays like indie movies that aren't playing anywhere else and uh, like 10 minutes into the movie a woman like she rose behind me like her baby started crying and i'm like why like this is Jackie. Like, this isn't like, like the Smurfs movie or something. Like, I know that maybe like it was the one night a week that she maybe had time to go see it or something, but like her baby started crying in the middle of the movie and then she had to get up and walk out of the theater. And I'm like, this does not seem like the appropriate movie to bring your like very small child to. Um, but it was only distracting for like, I don't know, like a minute out of the whole movie. So it wasn't that big of a deal, but I kind of thought the same thing about infant children along the lines whenever I saw that, but it was just weird. Cause it was Jackie. Like, that did not seem like the kind of movie that a mom would bring her very, very small child to. Yeah, dude. Like, I get that sometimes parents, like, you know, having been through that phase myself, I get, like, sometimes you just need a mental break. Sometimes you want to go out. But hopefully you've got a partner that will take that load for you. You can go out by yourself, enjoy the movie. Because if you bring the baby, you're not going to enjoy the movie. There's, like, you know, a 99% chance that baby's not going to make it through that movie silently. And it's just not going to be fun for you. So, I... There's so many other places to go. I, I just kind of, I don't understand why people go to a movie theater. But anyway, we're getting way off track here. Why don't we, uh, <laughs> why don't we move ahead with the show instead of talking about Brad's parenting tips? So, <laughs> Well, um, I guess we can just do pre-banter to lead into real banter. So um, you have a few things I think you want to talk about for your, your uh, weekly banter segment. So hit me my, with them, Brad. Official banter. Yeah, <laughs> first off, I just want to give kind of a um, shout out. To I guess we don't really do like endorsements or anything, but I'm, I'm I guess I'm kind of endorsing a shop that I recently bought some stuff at. Um, it's on Etsy and it's called Crow Smack, and they also have a website called SparklyCrow.com. 
Now, I felt like a complete fucking moron because somebody sent me a link because they knew that I like Let It Die and I'm still playing Let It Die, still into it. I'm very excited. It's got some DLC coming out soon. But they're like, hey, Brad, check this out. They got stickers of Uncle Death, who is kind of like the mascot of the game. They're like, yeah, you get these, stick them on your car, stick them on your laptop or whatever. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like, you know, because the game doesn't have any official merch itself, which is kind of a bummer because I would buy it. But um, so I'm, I'm looking at Etsy and I see this really cool sticker. I'm like, oh, this is dope. I'm going to get this. So I order a couple stickers and I look at the name of the shop and I'm like, huh, that name is kind of seems familiar to me. I don't really, eh, whatever. I'm, yeah, I'm tired. I'm old. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to order this thing. Who cares? So I order, I order the stickers and then I get this uh, envelope, like, like a really big envelope, like, like way inappropriate for the size of sticker that I order. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I open it up and they're like, oh, Brad, thanks so much. I know you love Demon Souls and I'm so glad you ordered from a shop. Thanks. I'm like, what? And I go, I look at the name and I'm like, oh my God, it's like somebody that I've known on Twitter for like forever. And I didn't realize it was their store. <laughs> I was like the biggest fucking dipshit. And I, I tweeted back and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't realize that was you. And thank you so much for the personalized message. And I love the sticker. It was super awesome. So anyway, Crow Smack on Etsy and also sparklycrow.com. I will not forget next time, I swear. <laughs> but if you want some Let It Die stickers, they've also got a ton of uh, souls oriented stuff. They've got some, uh, what's that? Attack on Titan stuff. They've got some random stuff. They got some stuff for kids. A lot of like really well done stuff. I mean, some stuff on Etsy is not so great, but this stuff is pretty high quality. I really dig the art style and the quality of what they sent me was really good. I got an also uh, a Demon Souls poster, which was dope. So thumbs up to those guys. Definitely recommend it. One other just really quick thing. Um, I was sitting with my son and I think I may have mentioned this like a million years ago on the game critics podcast, but I think it was worth mentioning again. My son is like, uh, he trolls Netflix like so hard for just like whatever's weird and interesting. And he's, you know, as he's like seven, he's got like infinite more free time than I do. So he's always watching stuff. And he came across, uh, something called the Aquabats super show. Have you ever seen it or heard of it? I have no idea what this is. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm glad I'm sharing this with you then. You may not like it or I don't know, maybe you would like it, but it seems like at first it's a show for young children, but when you start watching it, you're like, oh, this is really clever writing. Like, there's a lot of, like, double entendres and a lot of, like, really winky-wink jokes. And some of the stuff is, like, the kind of absurd humor where someone will come up with, like, some non-sequitur or it'll be, like, some really weird situation. And, like, it just cracks me up because it's like it's like when someone's telling you a joke and you can tell that they're a smart person and they want to see if you're smart enough to understand the joke so they'll say something that's really kind of clever and, like, if you laugh, then you're like, oh, I get it because you're so funny and I'm smart enough to understand your joke. I don't mean that to sound, like, so asshole-ish because it kind of sounds, like, kind of dicky. But it's, like, there's a certain kind of dry humor where you have to really be, like, mentally engaged to really get it. And I feel like the Aquabats Super Show is not exactly dry humor. I think it's it's definitely a little bit more on the crude side. But there is definitely some some intelligence to it. Basically, it's a group of, like, five guys who are in a band. And they drive around in a mobile home and they fight monsters. And the monsters are like these big rubber suit, goofy, googly eye monsters. And they just have this really bizarre things happen. It's all really arch and hilarious and, and really, really good. It's, it's not just a kid's show. I mean, my kid loves it. He thinks it's great. And I watch it and I, I think it's so fucking funny. I, I love it. I laugh out loud like every single episode. So check it out if you want something that can be enjoyed by both parents and kids. And also, I think just just it's really funny and bizarre on its own. Uh, Aquabats Super Show, the entire series is on Netflix. 
And it's only like one season, I think. I really wish there was more, but there's, I think there's just one. I guess they went back to actually being a band. So there you go. Aquabats is good stuff. Check it out. <laughs> is it like, uh, do you know what studio did it? Or is it a Netflix like exclusive thing? Dude, I don't even know. I I want to say like these guys did it themselves because it's so random and the production value is so weird and like low, but it's not terrible low. It's like funny low. And I don't think it's a Netflix original. I, I, you know, I did a little bit of research and I think these guys were an actual band for real. I think they were in California, if I'm not mistaken. And for whatever reason, they started bringing these monsters onto the stage during their show and they would like fight on stage to kind of pep up, you know, the entertainment. And then somehow... They're like, wait a minute, we need to film this and make it an actual show show. And that's what happened. So I think I think it's just them. I mean, I could be wrong, but. Huh. Interesting. Oh, it's good. It's so fucking funny. Like, give it get, like watch the first couple episodes. I would be really curious to see if you think it's funny or not. I would I would want your opinion on this. How long is each episode? Like 22 minutes oh, or something. That's it's super the short. Best. I love 20 minute shows. Oh, yeah. Real quick. Real quick. Well, I'll have to uh, look that up later tonight and see if I think it's funny, too. I'm very weird with humor. Like, I, I I, don't even know. Like, usually I like dry humor, but I'm also a big fan of really stupid, like, your mom jokes. Or, like, that's what she said jokes. So I uh, I don't know. I guess I'll just have to try and see. Oh, this this might be right in your wheelhouse, dude. I want a full <laughs> report next week, man. All right. I'll make sure to load up on them, like, next Saturday. And then on Sunday, I can come prepared for the show. There you go. All right. I'm good, man. What's your banter? What do you got? Um, shit, man. I, uh, I feel like I have a lot of stuff I want to, there's like so much things happening that I don't even know what to talk about, but I I already talked about the matrix and the LMO. So that's kind of off the menu. Um, I actually want to talk about something that's kind of like, I'm in one of those situations right now where I'm in, I, I very soon could be potentially facing like one of those like crossroads moments in my life. I think. Hang on. Let me get some emotional music in the background. Oh, geez. Put some, put some Adele on for us. <laughs> yeah, uh, something, something soulful. That that one Sarah McLaughlin one with the with the sick puppies and the pound. Oh, like the eyes of the angel, right? Yeah, <laughs> let's get that one. If you can cut that in, go ahead. Well, so uh, what I'm about to say might not pan out, and I'll tell you the story as it goes. But um, I know like every couple weeks or so on the show, I talk about like you know, oh, I'm interviewing for this job or whatever, you know, and and this and that. And I, I you know, I don't really like talking about work. I don't like talking about jobs. I hate when p- other people talk about jobs. Like I, I hate in society that whenever you catch up with an old friend or whenever you meet someone, the first question is either what do you do or how are you doing? And what, what almost everybody means is what's your job? What do you do for a living? Because I think how you, what you do for a living should not define you as a person. Cause there's a lot of people out there that don't, that don't like what they do and it doesn't represent uh, who they are, but that's kind of like a, a tangent on its own. Um, but I do want to say that I've been uh, working my way through an interview process for a job right now. And I'm, and this is the same job that I complained about getting my interviews pushed back like a month ago on the show. I'm still interviewing for the same job right now. Um, I'm not going to say the company or anything yet. Cause I, it's really nobody's business to be honest. Um, but, uh, I'm going through this interview process for this company and my partner, Patrick, I don't know if I've said this on the show before, but, uh, he works for a nuclear power plant that is North of Omaha. Um, he is like kind of a nuclear engineer. Um, and the power plant that he works for, um, is decommissioning. It's getting shut down, even though, um, the decommissioning process for a nuclear power plant takes like 50 years. Cause it's not just like a light switch that you turn off. Um, so they're like slowly phasing out people in, in uh in his power plan basically but he thinks that he'll probably have a job there for at least maybe like a year or so like minimum i think 
Well, it turns out that he went on a job interview. Um, I'm not going to say where. I'm going to be try, try to be like as vague as I can about this. Um, he flew somewhere across the United States to go on a job interview for a different plant. Um, and he is trying to decide right now if he wants to take that job offer because they offered him a position. Um, and I am interviewing for a position right now in Omaha that I... I mean, I, I have no idea if I'm going to get it. There's no offer on the table. I still think I have another interview to do, so I'm not even, like, Oh, my God, dude. Are you going Are you going with this where I think you're going with this? Um, well, if where you think I'm going with it is that uh, Patrick and I might take both of our jobs and live separately for a little while, oh, and that's kind of where God. I'm going with it. Um, what? I know. What? And, and it's not like, a, it's not like a, oh, we're breaking up or whatever thing. It's just like... A, I mean, I graduated from college five years ago. I have my degree is in journalism. I have not found a job that I've been able to get in those five years. So if I actually end up getting an offer on the job that I'm going for right now, I feel like the right thing to do would be for me to take it and, you know, actually work and, you know, be, you know, work on my professional writing and editing career and get paid for it. Um, But Patrick, you know, probably i'm not sure if he's going to take the job yet that's across the country but uh there is a chance in the future and of course i'll provide updates on future episodes that at a certain point in time i might stay here for a while to work and patrick might go across the states to work and then we will just have to be like long distance for a little while until um i don't know until i feel like i have enough experience to where i feel comfortable adding it to my resume and leaving that job and moving or i i don't know but that's kind of this weird crossroads that i'm at in my life right now so i'm having like a lot of like existential crises and like calling old friends that i think are smart and asking for their opinions on stuff and this is where i am right now brad Oh, my God. Okay, this is a big topic. This is way too big for banter. <laughs> we need to take this offline, and we should talk about this uh, after the show or something, because this is huge. Yeah, and, uh, it's yeah, big. We're gonna, I mean, this is this honestly is one of the biggest, probably the most defining moments in my life, potentially, not to be, like, overdramatic, but, uh, I mean, this is, like, could be a life-changing thing, and it is inappropriate for banter, but I feel like it's, you know, kind of big, so I should have said something about it, and I just did. Well, I think the the true defining moment of of your life was when you were on stage with Lady Gaga. I mean, I think there's no there's no on stage nothing better than that. What? I was never on stage. Yeah, we with don't have Lady to. Gaga. You know, I know you don't want to share, but that's what? okay. I was really proud of you. You did a great job. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about this later. Let's get the show back on track. That is huge. Way too big. I mean, that would take up the entire rest of the show, and I'm not sure that people are tuning in for that. But no, I would I would definitely like not. to talk that through with you. Nobody nobody listening to the show cares about my personal life. <laughs> All right, well let's 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 table that for now. Updates in the future, and we'll talk later. And let's let's move on. All right, well you uh, let's talk about video games. Um, I know you have a game that you're itching to talk about. Um, you are the mobile game master of the show right now, so uh, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about mobile games. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so okay, so as we as we said on the show many times, I have I'm at this particular point in time, I'm having a tough tough go of trying to work other games into my schedule for the show because I'm still tied up in a lot of like really long-term games, which is a bummer. In fact, I had to pass on a couple of really cool review games that I really wanted to do because I just didn't have time and I didn't want to take them on if I couldn't cover them appropriately. So that was kind of a a really bitter pill to swallow. So I thought, okay, well, maybe instead of trying to take on something bigger, let me find something smaller. And I know that there was a couple mobile things that came out this week 
let me try to see if I can work some of those in and maybe that'll be some good content for the show. So there were two things I was going to cover. One of them I just never got around to. It was called, oh God, it's like City of Romance or something. It was like a, a visual <laughs> novel and you play, I think you play like a female reporter going to Paris to meet guys. And I'm like, but it's put up by Ubisoft. So I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. A uh, One of their PR reps sent me an email and I'm like, you know, ordinarily I don't read any mobile emails because, I mean, I'm sorry. It's just like, it's a steaming garbage wreck in the, in the app store. There's just so much that's not even worth like a minute of your time. But I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is the Ubisoft PR person. This is something I should at least read. And I'm like, oh, a romance, visual. I mean, it seemed interesting, but I got to say, I uh, I just didn't get around to it. I started it. Um, I lost my Wi-Fi signal and then I couldn't continue and I had to put it up. And by the time I got back to Wi-Fi, I was moving on to other things. So side note, what the fuck is the deal with every goddamn mobile game requiring a constant Wi-Fi connection these days? I fucking hate it. Are you playing anything on mobile right now that requires a Wi-Fi connection? Uh, I'm not, but I've never understood i mean i don't really know all the technological ins and outs of like how phones work but i feel like if you have a phone and it has like a mobile connection where you can make a phone call on it why would you need the wi-fi connection to play games yeah i don't know man something about the speed or maybe because so much data is going back and forth they're going to burn through your minutes or something i mean who knows i don't know but it's really fucking irritating because it seems like every single game I try these days requires a constant Wi-Fi connection. And in my house, I can get a really good Wi-Fi signal in the living room and in the bathroom. If I go to the bedroom, I get no signal. And it's really frustrating. And, you know, when I go to work, like, sometimes I'll go through between, like, two or three different Wi-Fi, you know, areas. And so I'll have to, like, enter the password and change and move around. It's like, oh, God, pain in the fucking ass. Anyway, tangent, yeah, Wi-Fi, constant connection, sucks. Please stop doing it, mobile developers. I hate it. <laughs> Anyway, so I, I lost my connection, didn't finish the romance. I am going to come back to it, though. I will probably have a report on that maybe next week. But there was another big mobile game that came out this week that I did get a chance to play, and I think that you did, too. Fire Emblem Heroes, which is like the third or the fourth mobile entry from the big N, also known as Nintendo. Um, earlier, they came out with uh, Mitomo, which was garbage. Um then the, was Super Mario Run the next thing after Mitomo, or was there one more after that? Uh, I am, like, not the best person to ask this question to. <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter. Super Mario Run came out. Um, to be perfectly honest with you and with all of our listeners, I didn't even download it. I didn't even try it. I just wasn't really interested, so I didn't did not give it a go. And here comes Fire Emblem Heroes. Now, I have played, I think, every single Fire Emblem game that's come out in America. But I will give the caveat that the only one that I really liked was Fire Emblem Awakening on 3DS. Um, what usually happens with me in Fire Emblem, it's a turn-based stri- strategy game. Uh, and you have, like, different classes of characters. This is this is in, like, vanilla Fire Emblem. So you have, like, knights. Knights beat, uh, I don't know, axemen. Axemen beat spearmen. Spearmen beat knightmen. There's, like, this little weapons triangle. And then you have different classes on top of that. And you know, turn-based strategy. Uh, but every single Fire Emblem game is really, really, really hard, and it's also famous for having permadeath, and so um, I don't get on well with that, and if I lose somebody, I end up having to restart the level to get my guy back because I can't lose anybody. So those games become kind of like self-torture to get through. And um, to be frank, I don't think I've ever finished one except for Awakening because there's usually a really, really big uh, difficulty spike at the end of the game, 
And I just get to a level where, like, all my guys are dropping like flies, and I can't put up with that, and I can't beat the boss, and I just get frustrated and quit. So Awakening was really good. I liked that one a lot because it was a lot easier, and it was just more friendly to play. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I'm like, oh, okay, well, I, you know, maybe maybe Mobile Fire Emblem would be a cool thing because if it follows the spirit of Awakening, that might be okay. So I downloaded it and put on my phone and I checked it out. And I got to say, it did not start well. For like the entire first day after release, I kept getting a communication error. And there was nothing wrong with my phone. My phone was functioning fine. I checked my other mobile games. Those were all working fine. It was just Fire Emblem that wasn't working and I went online, and of course, like a thousand other people had the exact same error, so there was something wrong with the game itself. Uh, after that resolved, started off, watched a cutscene, played like one level, and then the game wanted me to download like a whole bunch of other data. And I'm like, what the fuck? I just downloaded a bunch of stuff to get this game on my phone. I got to download again? So I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. So I download that. I play like one more level, and then it wants me to download a bunch more stuff. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck is going on with this game? This is so crazy. So I, I did another download. Got done with that and then started playing the game. Um, and basically, I just like I bounced off of it like an hour later. Like I just was not into it. It's it's still a turn based strategy like Fire Emblem usually is. But all the characters are just like really, really, really cutesy. And there's a lot of stuff in there that seems like mobile cruft where it's just like get these stamina crystals or something and summon some heroes. And the gameplay itself just did not grab me. It felt like way too simple. I mean, granted I only played it for like an hour, but I didn't want to see any more. Like you just kind of drag your guy to a place and uh, they just like, there wasn't enough options for me. And I just felt like I'm just dragging around. Like it was, it was just too simplified. Uh, like your special move charges up after you do a couple of attacks. And so you don't get to choose when you use your special move. It's just like when it's charged and ready, like the very next move is your special move. You don't get a choice about that. And I was like, man, this is just like not clicking with me. And I don't really need another game where I'm, I'm, you know, managing my stamina and collecting heroes. And the art style itself was a real big turnoff. Just way too cutesy and anime for me. I mean, I know that's kind of what Fire Emblem is, but some of the series has had some really good character design in the past. I just, I'm not feeling it this time. Corey, did you, did you give Fire Emblem Heroes a try? I gave it like 10 minutes of a try. <laughs> <laughs> do tell, do tell. Well, I was not... I have never, ever played Fire Emblem. I know nothing about the series. So this game is already, like, on the opposite end of the spectrum from what I basically from the audience it's chasing. And I downloaded it because it was free and because, you know, everybody, anytime a mobile game comes out, tw the Twitter feed is, like, every third tweet on my Twitter feed is, like, a stupid screenshot from the game. And so I was like, okay, you know, I'll download it. And plus, you had mentioned it, so I thought I'd give it a shot. And it's just, like... It's not my kind of game in the first place because I'm not into, uh, like, RPGs really at all. Like, that kind of business. Um, I feel like the game, it, it had a lot to teach me about its combat. And it, I feel like it has maybe, maybe some good nuance. I'm not really sure if that's true or not because I didn't play it long enough to figure it out. But uh, what I did play, I just wasn't really into it. And I feel like it's one of those games where I would have had to have taken, like, a lot of time to learn the ins and outs of it. And if I'm not, if I wasn't really interested in it in the first place, that I'm not going to give it, you know, hours of my time to really like learn how to play it. So I just, uh, I think I deleted it yesterday, but I only played it for like 15 minutes and it's just not like nothing against it. I'm sure it's fine for people who like Fire Emblem, but I don't know anything about Fire Emblem. I've never played it before. 
and it's just not i'm just not interested in it so i just deleted it well i don't think you're missing anything i mean if you were ever interested and it seems like you're not but if you ever were this is not the one that i would recommend and i feel like it's a little bit um of a departure uh towards simple land from what i would expect from something like this so yeah i deleted mine also i mean i think i gave it like an hour max and i was like okay i'm, I'm good on this i don't like the cutscenes. i don't like the stories you know one thing that really bugs me about jrpgs specifically about jrpgs is like when they have names for things and the names are just like fucked up like they have like these weird l n k r names where there's like no vowel where there should be a vowel and it's weird stuff that you can't remember and they throw it all at you and they expect you to remember like it means anything and i just i can't stand stuff like that and and for some other reason i seem it seems to be like a lot of strategy rpgs from japan are very obsessed with like countries taking over other territories like political struggle, which I find it's like so fucking boring, like so boring. So this game was not clicking on any level for me. And I just, ugh, blah, whatever. I got <laughs> more than enough mobile stuff to play and not like I have that much time to play mobile stuff anyway. So I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to come back. So giving it the Knicks deleted, it's gone. And yours is deleted also. So I guess that's all we've got to say about Fire Emblem Heroes. Not a big success on the So Video Games podcast. It's true, unfortunately. Ah, fuck it. Anyway, what else you got, Corey? What's what do you got on your plate? Um, well, I want to talk about um, a, a preview, as something Brad and I have been doing recently. Um, the a preview discussion of a game. Um, this game I'm talking about is coming out. I think Tuesday on PS4 and Wednesday on Xbox. I think it's because Xbox does their indie games on Wednesdays, right, or Thursdays or something. I have no clue. My Xbox is always unplugged and uh, in a box. Okay, well, I guess it's kind of irrelevant. It's coming out this week. It is a game called Uncanny Valley, which I'm actually reviewing for Game Critics. So if you are interested, I, this the review for this game will be posted probably, like, I don't know, later this week or something. Um, I'm in the middle of writing it right now. But in a preview sense, um, let me talk about what Uncanny Valley is about. It is a side-scrolling... Um, pixelated kind of old school looking game the art style is very very similar to home a unique horror adventure which we've talked about like four times on the show and also um that other lone survivor is that the other one brad yeah lone survivor yeah and home yep yep yep. yeah it looks very similar to those you play as um you know a pixelated dude who's made of like 40 pixels and you know he's got some walking and running animations but this is a survival horror game also like home and like lone survivor um where you play as a guy who um, takes a security guard job. He used to be a police officer. He takes a security guard job at this, like, science plant, the science building thing. Um, and the the building has been evacuated. It's basically being shut down. But because there's still, like, science materials in the building, they need a 24-hour surveillance coverage, even though it's, like, a super remote facility and nobody really visits there or anything. So you were Tom, the night shift security guard, and then Buck is the guy who trains you, and he's like the day shift security guard. And the game starts, and you get to the thing, and Buck kind of shows you, like, he gives you the keys, and he, sh he tells you, you know, patrol all the floors um, every night, and, um, you know, and, and then the apartment, our, our apartments are down the street because the, the company has, like, their own apartment building that the, that the people sleep in, the security guards. And uh, I want to say uh, this game like really fucked me up the first time I played it. And I am not, um, I mean, I like survival horror games a lot. Um, like that's kind of like my thing. But I like, as I've said, every time I talk about survival horror on the show, I like a good survival horror. And um, the, the hook of Uncanny Valley is that 
it's a pretty short game. It only takes about one to two hours to beat, but you have kind of a limited amount of time to beat it, kind of. And so the game encourages you to play through it several times because there's a lot of stuff you can miss on the first or second or third playthrough. Um, and there's lots of different endings and there's lots of different things to discover. And the game goes back and forth between timed segments where you are exploring the the science building that you're guarding and uh, Tom going to sleep and you play through his nightmare sequences. And there is like some fucked up shit in this game. Like, and I, I mean, I don't say that lightly because I handle survival horror pretty well, but um, some of the nightmare sequences, like I, I was like, in the living room playing with headphones on and there were like several things that happened where i like yelped out loud audibly and then the next day whenever i saw patrick she was in bed i was like hey did you uh did you happen to hear me um shouting while i was playing uncanny valley last night and of course he said yes because i am an idiot um but this this game kind of like fucked me up a little bit on the first and second playthrough there's definitely some weird shit going on in here I'm not going to say a whole lot else because uh, I, I'll probably come back and talk about this next week whenever it's up, whenever the embargo is up. But uh, I, um, my initial impressions are that I really like it and it really, um, it really kind of fucks me up a little bit. <laughs> well, I'm kind of surprised to hear you say that. I mean, uh, so it's all pixelated and stuff. I mean, even even with that kind of like bare bones or, or, or simplified visual presentation, like it still really got inside your head, huh? Yeah, and I a lot of it is because of the music and the sound design are very well done, and because the because it's pixelated and it's side scrolly. I mean, you can only see a certain amount of screen in front and and behind Tom, and so there are segments where you'll like open a door and there is like a very interesting or scary noise happening, and you don't know where it is because it's off the screen. So you have to like hold your flashlight out and just creep down the hall and. I guess, like, hope that, I mean, something maybe will pop out, maybe something won't pop out, or, you know, something, you know, is going on at the end of the hall, but you cannot see it until you physically walk down there. It's not like a first-person game where you can see almost everything in front of you. So that's one thing. The sound design, like, really got me. And there's definitely some visual stuff um, that that scares me, too. And there's, I mean, there's jump scares, and then there's, like, thematic things that happen that are also creepy. So it's not just, like, one jump scare out after another. Like, the... The, the nightmare sequences definitely um, have some some imagery in them that uh, really disturbed me, to be honest. Um, and even on, like, my second playthrough, um, I would see this stuff again and, like, full well, like, knew that that segment was coming. And it would still get under my skin a little bit. So, I mean, thumbs up for that. Wow. Wow. That sounds like some pretty powerful stuff. I'm not big on horror, as we've discussed, but I do kind of like 2D games and indie games. And I am I am still pretty open to indie horror. I mean, but God, if it's fucking you up, I mean, how would I even handle it, man? I mean, I don't even know. Like, I mean, you're the you're like so cold and hardened when it comes to survival horror. Uh, but it sounds good. So, so let me ask: Is this kind of like uh, are you finding items and doing a whole lot of backtracking, or is it more like forward progress? Is there combat? I mean, what what can you expect like gameplay wise without spoiling anything? Well, it's mostly, um, it's kind of a backtracking nature because you are in the science building at night and then you're in the apartment building during the day, kind of. So, like, 
uh, every night kind of takes place in the like the science production building, the lab or whatever you want to call it. And you can go around and explore, but th- different stuff happens every night. And there's no like linear progression where it says, you know, on night one, you have to go to this room. And on night two, you go to this room. You kind of just explore the building every night and try to find more stuff. Or there's like computers and you can read emails or um, just other stuff happens. So part of it is kind of like open world exploration. And part of it is like kind of like old school adventure gaming where you like select an item from your inventory and you try to find out where you can use it. Um, and then part of it is a little bit of his linear exploration. Like the, the dream sequences are pretty linear. You just kind of go through the dream and then it ends and that's it. Okay. Well, that sounds good. One other question I want to ask now, I, I am not opposed to games that want you to beat them multiple times in order to, you know, get another layer of story or to, to show you something different. I mean, one of my favorite games, uh, near, is is a wonderful wonderful game that you only really understand until you don't understand it until you beat it like at least the second time and i think there's like four different endings um so i'm okay with that but i really feel like a game has to earn it like when you're going through the second time even though it's a short game does anything really change the second time through or is it just like you're doing the exact same thing you make one different choice and then there's like a, just like an ending that's different i mean do you feel like it's worth it to like put that extra time in there or is it just more of a, we know our game is short, so we just want you to play it a bunch of times so you feel like you didn't get ripped off? Well, I think it's worth it because the game, the, the nice thing about it is that the game is not that long. I mean, it takes, like I said earlier, about one to two hours to beat. So it's not like, you know, a 20 hour game and then you finish it and you're like, oh, I guess I need to play it again to find all that other stuff. Um, I would feel less good about it if it were like maybe like four or five hours long, unless it were really, really good. But because, I mean, it's only like an hour to two and it's kind of short. I mean, when I beat it the first time, I was definitely intrigued to start it up again. But it is just playing the exact same campaign again. It's not like a new game plus or like a or like a you load an earlier save or something like that. You literally just start it over fresh and then play through it again and and try to find different stuff on different nights or try to use different items in different places for different outcomes and uh, and go from there, I guess. Okay, so there is at least something different that you can do. Like, it's not just literally playing the exact same content again, but, you know, you go to a different room and maybe there's, like, a different cutscene or something or maybe, like, a different effect, right? Like, like something new. Well, only if you explore to find new things. I mean, you could very well play through it twice and have the exact same stuff happen, but if you explore more and maybe try to use different items in different places... Um, then that will change the outcome. But it's kind of up to you for how you want to explore the areas because you're basically given the same places to go every night, but it's just how you navigate them can change. Interesting, interesting. Um, As we're talking about this, it occurs to me that we're kind of getting a little bit in detail and we should remember that we are discussing Uncanny Valley in a preview sense only. This is a preview sense. Let's reiterate that we're talking about this in a preview sense. And this sounds really intriguing. I am looking forward to uh, checking it out. Do you know what it's uh, going to sell for by any chance or not yet? I don't, but I feel like it's cheap, like maybe like $15 or something. I think I checked it on the Xbox Marketplace. I want to say I feel like they're having a pre-order sale or something right now where it was like, $15, $15, you can get it for 10 or something if you pre-order it. I can't remember, and I probably should have done my homework before coming to it, but it's not like a $30, $40, $50 game. I think it's like 15 or something like that in that ballpark. Okay. 
Okay, well, you know, the show will probably be out before the game is released. So if you're listening to this episode and this game sounds like a good thing, you know, this might be a good time for you to go and check and see if you can get a pre-order in, get a, a cheaper uh, pre-order price or maybe get a sale or something. Check it out. Um, I think we should probably wrap Uncanny Valley now before we go too far. But that sounds really like a good thing. I think um, I'm going to check this one out myself. Well, uh, be uh, make sure your wife is in the same room and you have all the lights on and all that good stuff whenever you go. Oh, yeah. It. Music playing in the background. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. All this stuff. I mean, eating a sandwich at the same time. Everything. <laughs> totally. For sure. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let me uh, let me take the next round here. Um, Corey, last week, I believe it was last week, you talked about, in a preview sense, uh, a little game called Candleman, which is, I believe, currently an Xbox One exclusive. Uh, this was a game where you play as a little candle with little feet, <laughs> and he's super, super cute, and you uh, walk from place to place lighting things. Uh, the environments are kind of dark, and the hook is that you've only got 10 seconds of lighting time before your candle gets melted down and you die. So if I recall, you really liked this game when you talked about it last week, right? Yes, last week we talked about it in a previous sense, and I really liked it. And this week, um, it's actually not a previous sense anymore because my review is up on GameCritics.com, and we can talk about it as freely as possible now. But I, I did like it, and my previous sense impressions carried over to my review sense, um, I guess, review, because I liked it in the preview, and I liked it, uh, I liked it a lot when I finished it. Excellent, excellent. So I have also, I was very intrigued by what you said about Candleman last week, and I purchased it on the Xbox One store, and I have been playing it uh, yesterday and today. Now, I know it's a very short game, but I was really pressed for time this weekend, and also, my son really wanted to play with me. He was very interested, and he wanted to sit with me, so we were kind of taking turns back and forth. Um, Little side note here, I fucking hate the Xbox One. That is a garbage console. I hate it so bad. (laughs) And one of the, I mean, there's many reasons why I hate it, but I was so fucking livid last night. So like what happens is I start playing Candleman and as you play through this game, it's a, a very simple platformer, 3D. Well, yeah, 3D platformer, I guess. Um, and as you're going through the levels, it's very s- stripped down and streamlined, but there are other candles to light in the level. So like as you're walking around, you'll see an unlit candle, you light it, and then you get to the end and then it'll tell you like how many candles you lit. So each level has a couple of those. Uh, as I was playing with my son, we were kind of taking turns and my son doesn't give a fuck about any collectible in any game ever. I will sit there and be like, dude, get those gold rings. Dude, grab that money. Dude, grab that power up. He doesn't care. He does not fucking care. It like, he likes games, loves games, great at games, but he does not have that gene where he like has to collect things. So like, you know, collecting a hundred doodads of whatever is not a thing for him. So I was sitting there thinking, uh... My OCD is kind of being a little bit triggered here, but I'm going to be a good dad. I'm not going to, like, berate him into collecting those things. I'm going to just let him go. And I'm like, when he goes to bed, I will start my own profile, like a new profile, and then I will just go back and, like, replay the sections. I'll collect the things he missed and, you know, whatever. Um, <clears throat> so, unfortunately, uh, we had started on my profile, and I'm like, well, I'll just do, I'll do another profile. Because on PSN, on PS4, you can easily set up as many, like, al- alternate profiles as you want. Like, it doesn't matter. Uh, But with this on Xbox One, like, I could not create an actual profile without, like, registering an email with Microsoft and going through the, you know, they're going to send me an email and confirm this. It's my real address. Like, I was like, dude, I don't want to do all this shit. Like, I don't want to. I just want to have another profile so I can 
play this game because the game only offers you one save file. You can't have multiple saves. So I'm like, damn it. Um, okay, so I, I was looking at the menus. I couldn't get it done. It didn't let me make another profile, and I wasn't going to, like, create another email account just to do this. And then I'm like, oh, wait, what is this? And it says, oh, guest account. I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe this is what I need. So I hit guest, and it, like, my name on Xbox Live is, like, GC Brad, and it's, like, GC Brad 1. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. I'm going to play on this guest profile. I go back, play the stuff that we played. I collect all the candles that he missed, and I'm like, okay, this is good. I get to the part where we left off, and I'm like, I'm going to pause for tonight, and we'll pick it up tomorrow. No big deal. Um, I turn on my Xbox One in the morning, and guess what? Don't, guess, Corey. Don't tell me all your progress was gone or something. Yes, guest profiles only exist while the console is on. None of that shit is saved when you turn the fucking box off. And I was like, oh, my fucking God. I spent all that time, all that effort, replaying those levels multiple times to find all the shit that I missed. And it was fucking gone. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that data is somewhere on my Xbox One. If it is, I do not know where it is. I do not know how to retrieve it. I completely failed to find that. I think it's just gone. I mean, if I'm wrong, please someone let me know. But I was I was raging pretty hard when I found out that it did not save that guest profile. So that was a big bummer. But that is not Candleman's fault at all. Uh, <laughs> I'm still mad about it. Sorry. <laughs> um, about the game itself. I love it. I think it's brilliant, dude. I know that you really liked it. And we don't always have the same taste. So I wasn't sure. But I we didn't finish it. I think I'm at... Chapter, well, I'm in, I'm, I'm in the lighthouse, if that means anything. I don't want to spoil anything for people who are going to play it, okay, but okay. I'm in the lighthouse. I'm not done with the lighthouse, but I feel like this is getting close to the end of the game. And I just think it's really great. It's very chill, like you said. It's very laid back. Um, the stakes are generally pretty low. Um, I feel like the intensity is ramping up a little bit at the end, which I'm, meh, I'm not too crazy about because I really have enjoyed it being such a laid back experience. But I'm still really, really digging it. The graphics are beautiful. The lighting, as one would expect, is beautiful. Um, it's just really, really peaceful and nice, and the character is cute, and I've really enjoyed this like really kind of low-stakes platformer. It's really been a really good fit, very soothing to me at this particular time of year. Now now that you are free to talk about it in a review sense, Corey, tell us, tell us what you thought of Candleman all the way through. Well, I want to point out that I don't want to ruin your day anymore, but <clears throat> if you had gone on your primary profile and gone and replayed the levels that you and your son had already played together and collected all the candles again, that would have saved your progress, and it would not really have altered anything about the game going forward for you. Uh, I just didn't want to, like, you know, because that was, like, our save file. I didn't want to, like, play without him, because then he would feel, you know, his feelings would be hurt or whatever. And I don't know if it would bother him that I went back and get the collectibles. Maybe not. But I'm like, well, I'm just going to play it safe. I'm going to respect that this is our communal save file right <laughs> so i didn't want to do i thought about it but i'm like nah but uh i i do want to ask you about that at the end but go on continue i, I don't want to interrupt you right now well uh um i mean i don't really know how much i have to add to candle I man i thought it was lovely i mean this is the kind of game that's like such a well-produced tight 3d platformer that i feel like it's impossible not to like i mean it's not incredibly memorable once you finish it like it's not one of those games where you finish it and then you know three or four months later you're like oh remember that amazing game i played earlier this year but it's really good in the moment i mean it is therapeutic like you'd think with only 10 seconds of light per level that it would be like kind of intense and that was something i was worried about going in i thought it was going to be like really hard and i was going to have to give up halfway through and write my review without finishing the game but it's actually i mean it's pretty low stakes there were only like two or three sections of the game where i died repeatedly on that i got a little bit frustrated with but 
as soon as I passed him, that was it. But I do want to say that um, uh, the, the there's a section right in the middle of the game in the bioluminescent garden. Is that not like the most beautiful thing, Brad? Oh, it's really beautiful. I mean, I think, I mean, honestly, I think every area is really beautiful, but the bioluminescent garden was great. I love like how the flowers opened up when you lit your candle and it was just really peaceful and nice and lovely. And my son was like, oh my God, these flowers are so beautiful. Aww. And you know, like we were just like, oh God, this is, I mean, just enjoying the aesthetics of the game. I think they did a really great job. I mean, if nothing else, they really nailed the game where they needed to nail it, which was like, just make it look really beautiful. Like it didn't need to be super hard, didn't need to be complex, didn't need to challenge my reflexes, but, but having the ambiance and having that that just visuals. I mean, it was so nice. Um, I'm really glad too, because I have a personal problem with games that are dark because video games, I mean, they say right there in the name, it's video, video games. I want to see what I'm fucking playing. I don't like dark <laughs> games. It bothers me, dude. Like it really bothers me. Cause I'm like, if I can't see what the hell's going on, that feels like an unfair advantage that the developers are taking, you know, like let me see clearly. And then I will react, you know, my skill versus yours. Let's go for it. But if it's fucking dark all the time, I, I hate that. I just, I just hate dark games, and I wasn't sure I was going to like this. But the darkness is not bad, Like, and there's also little candles you can light, and you're light. And it's just it's used really well. Like I don't think it's very scary. It's not scary at all. I don't think it's oppressive. I don't think it really, really interferes with gameplay very much. I think it's very pointed where they do use the darkness to, to slow you down a little bit. And I think it was really probably one of the best uses of darkness that I've played in quite some time. And usually I fucking hate dark games, but this one <laughs> was a-okay with me. I want to ask you, though, Corey, um, I don't know if you know or not, but getting back to the candles, like, do you know if you collect all of the candles, does it do anything? Because I noticed that when I when I completed a level, it would give me an extra line of story. Like, if you finish a level without the candles, it says one line of story, like literally one sentence. And then if you finish it with all the candles, it gives you two lines of story. Now, that's that's cool. But I don't know that that's necessarily enough for me to go back and replay the entire game. Is there some thing at the end or is that really all you get? Well, I I did not light all my candles the first time through because um, some of them I just missed uh, and didn't realize they were there. And I so I finished the game without all the candles lit and I have not gone back to play the whole game yet to light all the candles. So I honestly can't answer that. I, I suspect... That there, I mean, there has to be a, a different conclusion for for lighting all of them, or else there wouldn't be. They wouldn't have all the candles there in the first place. I don't think. But if there is a different conclusion, I don't know what it is. Okay, no worries. I guess that's what YouTube is for. I mean, no problem. I've really enjoyed the game so much. Um, I don't know that I necessarily want to go back and hundred percent it uh, because if I was going to do that, I would have done it from the start, like I did, <laughs> and that data is gone, and I don't think I want to do that again. But otherwise. This is a really, really nice game. I think it's just, it's like you said, it is lovely. It is a lovely game. It feels good to play. It feels good to look at. It's very charming. I think the design is very smart of it. I think the puzzles are not too challenging, but they're satisfying to keep you going. It's just, it's just a wonderful, wonderful experience. I think you described it, as a matter of fact, as a platformer plus walking simulator last episode. And I think that's very apt. It feels very much like a walking simulator with some actual gameplay tossed into it and for, for the better, like it's all, it's all good. Everything about it is wonderful. So I like Candleman a lot and I hope that it does not remain an Xbox one exclusive because I think more people would really get into this if it was on PS4 or PC or whatever. So I liked it a lot. Good call, man. I'm with you on this one. 
Good. I was worried that um, because you I mean, no offense, but you're kind of like back and forth on these like like easy like storytelling games like, you know, you liked Journey and then you absolutely hated Abzu. So I was worried that I was going to recommend this and you were going to be like, oh, this is fucking garbage. (laughs) No, this is lovely. Candleman (laughs) is really, really lovely. I like it a lot. So good pick. Good pick. Now, you've got something else on deck that I'm very, very curious about and I know nothing about so Corey, <laughs> tell us about divide what is it about man all right divide this is as far as i know it's a ps4 exclusive i think um that's all i could find on the esrb's website it was ps4 ratings but um it is a god i don't even know how to describe this game it is a it is a sci-fi ass sci-fi game it is a isometric third person sci-fi game that kind of has twin stick controls like it's kind of like like Lara Croft and the Guardian of Light where like you move with one stick and you can aim with the other stick but it's not it's not really like an action game it it is oh my god I'm gonna do the worst job explaining this you play as a guy named uh, David and he is a single father and his wife has passed away uh, due to she works for like this really high-tech science um like science, it's like Google plus like a million, like like super, you know, it's like DARPA, like experimental, like science ass science stuff. And she passed away as part of some lab accident, like in the past, it doesn't um, happen in the game. And so you're this guy named David, you have a daughter who's like eight or nine or 10 or something. And one of uh, his wife, his wife's old coworkers calls him up out of the blue and wants to meet with them. And they meet for lunch, and then he gives him, he gives David a suitcase. And David takes the suitcase back to his house, and he can't figure out how to open it because there's like a passcode on it. But you find the passcode in your house, and you open the suitcase. And the suitcase has this like super experimental, like orb thing, and it has these augmented reality contact lenses in it. So David puts them in, and he activates the orb, and then the orb like transports him into like, a version of like the super sciencey building that his wife used to work in. And the game is not clear if it's like time travel or not. It might answer it later down the road, but um, you're in this building exploring these isometric uh, angled uh, rooms um, for part of the game. You have a partner, a woman who's with you. I can't remember her name. It's Aris, I think A R I S. Um, and he's searching for his daughter because she got lost in the transporter thing with the orb. So the game is like kind of trying to escape the science building and it's trying to um, find his daughter. And originally it was really intriguing. I did not know anything about this game when I picked it up for review. Full disclosure, I am reviewing this game for GameCritics.com. Um, I, I didn't know anything about it either, but I watched a trailer and I was like, hey, this looks pretty interesting. So, um, you know, I took the review and I've been playing it. And it has a lot of good things going for it because it kind of reminds me of... Like, all of the downtime in Deus Ex Human Revolution when you're just, like, exploring office buildings and reading emails and not fighting anybody, but you're just, like, walking around, like, looking in every nook and cranny, like, trying to collect stuff and looking at computers. It's kind of like that, but in, like, a third-person isometric view because a lot of the game is just walking around this office building looking like picking up uh, like upgrade points and reading like computers and like hacking into stuff and there's little sentry robots that walk around these little like quadrupedal robots and they'll like shoot these little shock waves at you if you get too close so you can like sneak up on them and hack them and disable them and later you can hack them to like blow them up and uh at one point Eris gives you this little like stun gun pistol thing where 
the gunplay kind of comes in and you can like shoot the little robot things and at one point like dudes start attacking you and you can shoot them so uh i've been playing it for about four to five hours or so um is there anything you want to ask before i carry on with this description brad no i mean it sounds okay that's kind of um what I gathered from it. I mean, I watched the trailer too. That was all I know about this game. And I thought it also seemed fairly interesting as well. But um, from what I can tell, it did kind of remind me of a lot of games from the PS2 era that were kind of isometric. Uh, I mean, tell me more. I mean, is, is it pretty story heavy based or is it just like you're just shooting guys or like what what else is there to the game besides walking around in isometric fashion shooting robots? Well, there's a little bit of story going on. It has um, like full voice acting, which I mean, it sounds stupid for me to say that because, uh, you know, I mean, like what games don't. But, uh, I mean, the, the quality of voice acting, like, it, the voice acting isn't great, but just, like, the fact that everybody's voiced and they have little, like, char- like character cutouts that pop up in the bottom of the screen whenever the characters talk um, is kind of interesting. And there's a little bit of branching dialogue. Like, sometimes Eris will stop to, like, hack a computer and you kind of go explore on your own, but you could come back to her and you can talk to her and you you two are kind of, like, working together to figure out how to get out of here. But a lot of the games, you, like, lead her to a computer and she starts hacking in and then you, like, go explore. Um, so it's a little story-heavy. I kind of still don't really know what's going on in the story. I mean, you're transported to the building. You're trying to find a way out. At one point, um, a guy stops you and, like, takes the orb from you. So you're, like, kind of, sort of, maybe trying to get the orb back, but also trying to get out, but also trying to find your daughter. Um, but, uh... I have to say that the more I play this game, the less I like it. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Well, I was kind of, I'm kind of interested so far, but what, what is not, what is not clicking with you? Well, the, the building, it, uh, there's just like the building, almost every room in the building looks very similar. It's all like kind of like white, almost grayscale, like, like science fictiony hallways and computers and the building is... Well, that's very, what the future looks like. Did you not get the memo? I mean, that's it is. All future, yeah, all future looks like that. It's like if... It, it's like if Apple built, like, a giant corporate, like, I don't know, future building, like a space station or something. Like, that's kind of what it seems like. And it, it's just But like, there would be no headphone jack, though. <laughs> but you would have cool contact lenses. They probably just transport the sound directly into your eyeballs through some technology. <laughs> oh, that sounds terrible. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh the game um it, it just like ends up turning into this giant maze because it kind of has like a like a shadow complex like metroid thing going for it where like you're in closed off areas and you have to like get a certain upgrade key to open these doors and then you have to sometimes spend some upgrade points to open other doors and eventually all of the segments of the the office building thing the headquarters kind of like cycle back into each other like you can go in one way and then you come out another and like you're back in the main lobby and wonder how the hell you got there at least if if you're me that's what you do and uh, some of the things that i don't like about it are almost every room in the game looks the same so it's you it's really hard to get around because i i I never i fucking never know where i'm going in this game and even if like eris is like hey go do this like I walk out of the room and I'm immediately like, I don't know where the fuck to go. And so I open the menu and there's a, the, the game has a map. The map is fucking awful. It's just like this little like 2d isometric view of a tiny map that barely takes up any of the screen. You cannot move the map. You cannot zoom in and out of it. It shows a little star where you are. It doesn't show a star where Eris is. It doesn't show a star where your next objective is. It doesn't show like 
color-coded doors for whatever key card you just got to open uh, to open new doors. It, it's like it's like walking up to a, a map in a mall, and it's like you're here, and then but but you have to like look at it through binoculars because you're so far away or something. The map is terrible. It doesn't have any waypoint that I could find at all to figure out where to go. So I end up just running around in circles and trying to figure out where to go. And I cannot for the fucking life of me figure out what to go. Like there was one part where Eris was like, oh, I activated a console directly above us. And it took me like, like she literally was like, it is directly above us. And it took me like 45 minutes to find this fucking console. And part of it is my fault because I'm dumb. But part of it, I feel like the game should just have like a little waypoint in the corner or something that's like, go this direction you know to get where you need to go because the game is very exploration heavy like you can you can there's no sense of urgency like you can go anywhere you want at any point pretty much so whenever it comes time to get back on track and go where you need to go i can never fucking find out where i'm supposed to go and the gunplay is not very good um the, the your character uh david he dies in like two hits if somebody shoots him or like a human shoots him and and every single time you encounter a human like they have like amazing quick draw and they shoot first and always hit you first and so there goes half your health and then i can barely even get my little like right trigger or right thumbstick aiming cursor on them before they shoot me again and then i'm dead and like right now i'm in an office where there's only one exit out of the office and there's a fucking sentry guy in the hallway that's like it's like bottlenecked um so anytime i leave the office he immediately shoots me and takes down half my health sometimes he shoots me from off the fucking screen where i cannot even see him oh that's the worst it is the fucking worst and then i have to try to fucking find him and shoot him and the game does not have any kind of lock on or anything you just aim the stick and shoot and sometimes there's like stuff above the characters and the isometric angle where it like blocks stuff or there's like a second floor where you can't see everything clearly and i would be more forgiving of this game if maybe i could get shot like five or six times before dying but it's like if there's a guy in the room and you don't see him and he shoots you like you're basically fucked and right now i tried to get out of this room like four or five times earlier and i cannot do it like i don't think i'm gonna be able to finish this game to review it like 100 <laughs> percent because i literally cannot get out of this fucking room that i'm in because as soon as i walk out the door the guy shoots me once and i cannot even get my cursor on him to shoot him before he shoots me again and it's all over with and it's so fucking irritating oh god that's okay so like everything that you just described is a problem that happened with these games back in the PS2 era, <laughs> which is probably why people stopped buying and playing them. Uh, you know, I, I was kind of afraid you were going to say some of this because, like, when I saw that trailer, I'm like, at first I was like, oh, yeah, this is like those games back in the day. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, those games back in the day. <laughs> because, yeah, like, getting shot from off screen is bullshit. Not having enough life is bullshit. In a game like that, you got to really take the time to make the levels look distinct. And, like, from the trailer, it did look very samey, but I didn't know if that was just a poorly cut trailer or maybe it wasn't indicative of the rest of the game. But what, from what you're telling me, it sounds like like visually distinct areas is not where this game excels. So that's a big problem. And like, I, I have very, very little patience uh, for games, which do not have great maps, like very clear, easy to use maps. I think map mapping is so important because, you know, like free time is at a premium and I don't want to spend a lot of time being lost or like wandering that's one of my pet peeves in any games like if i don't know where i'm going and someone says go do this xyz thing but they don't tell you where it is and you don't have a clue and there's nothing on your map 
that's kind of like where I bail, like in any game, because I'm just like, I'm not going to waste 10 hours like looking for this thing you want me to look for. So, man, I was going to say this one kind of had me interested. But after hearing you talk about it, I think I am now zero interested in this one. Yeah, Mm. it's a real shame because like I went in knowing nothing about it. And honestly, like it had me hooked pretty well for like an hour or two. Like the opening is pretty good. And then like the the chapter after the prologue is pretty good. And I mean, the music and it is really good. Like I really like the music. Like it's way better than this game deserves. And I mean, some of the graphical touches are nice. Like there's some a few segments where the camera will switch to like a static third person uh, shot, like an old kind of like an old survival horror game. And you just like move the character across the screen and it's nice. But I just like cannot deal with all of like the little bullshit stuff that's getting in the way of me trying to play it. Like if they would just put a waypoint on the map or let me like rotate the map and look at it or put a waypoint on the screen to let me know where to go. I would be much more forgiving of this game. Um, and there was, I was looking at, uh, at Metacritic earlier. Cause sometimes when I'm reviewing a game, I like to check Metacritic and just like kind of, you know, test the waters and see what other people are saying right now. It has like a 55 or something on Metacritic with like four reviews. And there was one guy that said something like, oh, it's, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's not a very good game, but at least it's short. And I'm like, God damn, it's not short enough. Like, this game needs to be <laughs> over with. Like, now I'm tired of playing this game. Like, I want to enjoy it, but the game is getting in my way. But um, an update did download for it earlier on my PS4, like, right before we started recording. So maybe, just maybe, they will add something that will be helpful, but I am not going to hold my breath. Yeah, probably not. I mean, check the patch notes and see. But, you know, that's really one of the benefits of reviewing games at GameCritics.com because we are very cognizant of the fact that people have lives and that people have a finite amount of patience, you know? Like, uh, life is only so short. Um, I, I One of my things that I say all the time is that life is too short for mediocre JRPGs, but I think it's also <laughs> too short for mediocre games in general. You just, we don't live an infinite amount of time, you know, like you just don't like as much as you want to. And Lord, would I want to, um, okay. Tangent, tangent, tangent. You know, like when you're watching a vampire movie or something, the vampires are always so fucking sad all the time. And I'm like, Oh my fucking God, dude. Like, will you please stop being so sad? Like you're like super powerful. You generally like usually look good. And like, you like live forever. Like I could totally catch up on my Netflix backlog. I can play all my fucking games. I could read all the books. I could have sex with my wife, like, forever and ever. Like, what is fucking sad about that? Why are you so fucking sad? Quit moping around, you fucking immortal vampire, dude. Like, what the fuck? Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, do you, do you, would you be a sad vampire, Corey? Or would you be, like, a, like a yeah vampire? I would probably, I mean, I tentatively think that I would be pretty cool with it. I mean, I just don't see a downside. I mean, there was, uh, there was one episode of Key and Peele. Have you ever seen the Key and Peele show, the comedy show? I have not. That is a really funny show. The first three seasons are brilliant. It tanks pretty hard after that, but the first ones are good. They actually did a skit about this exact thing, and I was, like, cheering on my couch when they watched it (laughs) because, like, one of the vampires is super sad and mopey, and he's, like, all dressed in black, and he's like, oh, I'm a sad vampire. It's so hard to live forever. And the other vampire is like, fuck yeah, I'm going to be alive when cars are flying around, and I got all all these babes, and I'm going to be, like, having all this fun forever and ever. And I'm like, yeah, dude, for sure. I am the happy vampire. Anyway... Uh, getting back on track where was I going with this why did I say oh because life is too short for mediocre games and this sounds like a mediocre game so the benefit of reviewing games at gamecritics.com is that you don't have to finish it if it sucks you just stop we don't make you suffer we don't make you waste your time we're not going to make you uh, spend your precious life energy on something that's not deserving of it so 
if it's bad, bail, call it good. We're going to move on from this fucker. It's so funny, too, because, like, if you had asked me when I were, like, 15 or 16, if I thought it were, like, uh, what's the word? I'm, like, like holding my, like, ethical integrity for a video game reviewer to review a game with, without finishing it, I would have been, like, I will, I would, I could never, ever, ever trust a reviewer who would not play the entire game. And I remember at one point when I was like 18, I had read somewhere that like the guys that used to work at EGM or something like they wouldn't finish the games and they reviewed them. And it, at one point in, in my, at one point in my life, it just like, I like could not believe it. Like, Oh my God, how dare these guys not, not finish a game when they're trying to review it. Like, that's so unfair. Like you wouldn't watch half a movie and then review it. But now that I'm older and like, I understand and I, I don't know. I've, you know, kind of been around the block with video games for 20 years. I'm like, yeah, you know, sometimes you just don't need to play them all to review them. And sometimes the games are just so bad or so hard and have so little going for them that it's just not worth it to finish them. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, I, I mean, for starters, uh, <laughs> I mean, if you don't like a game to the point of where you want to stop playing it, that's kind <laughs> of a review in itself. Like if it's not if it's not keeping you going, that says something. You know, like, I don't believe that, you know, oh, I got to power through this terrible part for 40 hours to get to the good part at 41 hours. Like, that's not that's not a thing. If your game sucks for 40 hours, it sucks. And also, I mean, like, you know, like a lot of people have said, I mean, this is not new information. Movies tend to be two hours. You, anybody can, you know, anybody who's a reviewer can spare two hours. You know, if you're playing some game that's like like 50, 60, 80, 100 hours long and most of the time. These games don't have radical changes in gameplay. Like they just they're just like tons and tons of content for people to get through. If you don't like the content, playing another 40 hours of it is probably not going to change your mind. And and like I said, we are not vampires. Uh, we're not happy vampires. We're not sad. We're not vampires of any kind. We we are, we'll die at some point. You cannot spend your entire life on <laughs> shitty ass games just to roll credits. So, you know, I'm sorry, but if people disagree that you can't review a game before finishing, I mean, you're entitled to your opinion. I'm entitled to mine. And since I'm editor, mine is what goes at Game Critics. <laughs> and I say we don't need to finish them because I'm a fucking grown up and I have a life. So, yeah. And also, anyway. um, for, for listeners that don't know, if you frequent the Game Critics website, one of the neat things that Game Critics does that I actually, I don't really read a whole lot of like full reviews on other sites, which is maybe bad for me. But at the very bottom of every Game Critics review, we have a giant disclaimer for every single game review that says, you know, it, it has the obvious info, who published it, who developed it, what consoles it's on, what the ESRB rating is. But we also put down there how many hours we spent playing the game, whether or not we finished it, and whether, you know, if we finished it three or four or five times, and whether or not we dabbled in the multiplayer, if any exists. So that's one thing I really like about Game Critics and about writing for it, is that we're super transparent and that disclaimer at the bottom, where a lot of other websites uh, necessarily aren't that way. Oh, you know, that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up, Corey. Thank you very much. Because although I do not believe you need to fully complete a game before you review it, I do believe that you need to be very upfront about where you're coming from so that when someone is reading that review, they will know um, whether, you know, how much stock to put in your review. Like if I'm playing a really heavy story-based game and I played two hours and I put on the review two hours, anybody who disagrees with me can be like, oh, well, this guy only played two hours. I'm not going to pay attention to this review. But it just lets them know where we're coming from. And if you agree with that, great. If you don't agree with that, fine. But yeah, we put all our, our cards on the table up front. You know exactly where we're coming from. And it's up to you to, you know, whether you want to put stock in our reviews or not. But I mean, we're going to do what we do. And we're very, very honest about it. So I, I'm glad that you brought that up. Thank you very much for reminding me. 
Well, thank you for including that in part of our review policy. You are most welcome. <laughs> um, so I guess that kind of brings us to the show. Uh, what do you think, Corey? Anything left to say on Divide? Uh, I don't think so. I will probably jump back into it tonight, see if the patch updated anything. And if it didn't, I will. I mean, I already started drafting my review for it earlier, but I will keep working on my written review, which, uh, a spoiler alert, is not looking good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Spoiler. Yeah. Spoiler. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm glad you said something because I was kind of looking at this one and I am not looking at it anymore. So, yeah, going to call that nosies. Well, uh, unless you have anything else to add, we want to bring this show to an end. Yeah. Bring it on home, buddy. All right. Well, as always, um, that's going to do it for this week of the So Video Games podcast. Before we go, um, we would like to remind you that you can send us any comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything you want at all. Um, even nudes, if you want to send some nudes, that's fine. Oh, um, you were the, I, you know, so that's so funny you say that because in my head, I was like, which one of us is going to say it first? Is it going to be me <laughs> or is it going to be Corey? It was you. <laughs> of course. I like, I, nice. I, I hoard the nudes. So please send nice. them all to SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at so video games um you can send us anything technical feedback too um yeah anything you want you could send it to either of those accounts and we will be glad to uh to read it and or respond to it but uh, i think that's going to do it for the show and uh so i would like to thank you all for listening and signing off this is bye from Corey, and this is bye from brad and we'll see you all next time